Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ruth and the third chapter, Ruth 3, chapter, uh, verses 6 through 18. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her, and then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me those six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if I look tired this morning, it's because I got beat up by the Rock River. Um, so uh, my mom uh, is in town, and her husband, Red, they're right here, you guys uh, find them after, I'm bringing people from Texas as much as I can to, you know, they just got to get exposed to Illinois. So, uh, we've taken them and, and, uh, done all kinds of things. We went to Rock Cut State Park and guess how many fish I caught there? Zero. Guess how many fish I caught in the Rock River yesterday? Zero. Now I'm the only one in my, in my group that didn't catch anything, but that's, that's no new thing in my life. I have bad, bad luck as a fisherman. So don't ever, well actually go with me because you'll catch all the fish and I won't catch anything. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. We got to see Ronald Reagan's house in Dixon yesterday. That was pretty cool. So uh, get to see all kinds of things. Okay, so the year was 1588. If you like history, you already know what's happening in 1588. Spain is the most uh, powerful empire in the world, and they were angry. They were angry that England was Protestant, uh, and, and that their, the efforts they had put, it, had gone to put, putting a Catholic uh, king or queen on the throne had failed. They had tried multiple people, 
it just wasn't working out for them. And so they said, well, what else can we do? Let's go fight. And uh, so they decided they're going to take care of this once and for all. And they assembled one of the largest fleets uh, ever. Uh, you and I know it today as the Spanish Armada. So maybe you remember that from high school history. Spanish Armada was 1588. And their goal was to overthrow the Protestant queen. Uh, she was the queen of England. Uh, her name was Elizabeth I. And uh, she is one of my uh, favorite uh, people uh, in history. Uh, we owe so much to her. Um, so at the Spanish Armada, the battle, you maybe know this story, the Spanish, uh, huge, huge favorites of this thing. The English were definitely outnumbered. Uh, defeat looked certain. And so this ship, uh, the fleet of ships, finally enters the English Channel. And, um, and it was about, it was time. It was time to go. We, they knew what was happening. And so the, shi- the British ships were getting ready to go fight. And um, before they go fight, one of the coolest moments in history happens. Okay. Um, Queen Elizabeth travels uh, to the coast to inspire her people. And she comes in riding on a white horse. Um, there's all different kinds of paintings of this moment, but we just have descriptions of it, obviously, because there were no cameras. But she, apparently she comes in riding the, wearing the most beautiful dress anybody had ever seen, yet she had, like, warrior gear on. And she's got a helmet, she's got a sword, um, and she is just ready to go. And um, it, it, it's one of the best-known speeches in history, um, it's, it's known as the Tilbury speech, and I want to read you just a little piece of it. Um, this is kind of in the middle of the thing, and this is what she says. She says, I am resolved in the midst and heat of the battle to live and die amongst you all, to lay down for my God and for my kingdom and my people, my honor and my blood, even in the dust. I know I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king, and of a king of England too. And think, foul scorn, that Parma or Spain or any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm, uh, to which rather than any dishonor shall grow by me, I myself will take up arms. I myself will be your general, judge, and rewarder of every one of your virtues in the field. So the men are inspired, right? Imagine her saying, I'm, well, I'll fight. I'll get in the dust and blood with you guys. I'm ready to fight too. And as you maybe know from history, the British troops inspired by her speech go and defeat the Spanish Armada. And, and they become uh, now the greatest power in the world. And Queen Elizabeth goes from being made fun of for being a, a woman leading a, an empire to being the most powerful person in the world overnight. Uh, history acknowledges her strategy uh, as one of the boldest moves in history. Okay, one of the boldest moves in history. She believed that she had been called by God uh, to defend the true Christian faith. And so she acted boldly because of, her f- because of her faith that God was leading her and her people. She later said about the victory... God blew the winds, and they were scattered. And it's a, uh, it's a description from the Gospel of Matthew where, the, the, uh, where, where God blew the winds. Okay, uh, the, the weather was terrible. 
against the Spanish Armada. And, and the English people still to this day said, look, God fought for us and blew the winds and they were scattered. Uh, it's one of, one of the banners of, of the English whatever. They have all the banners, right? That's one of them, right? God, God blew the winds and they were scattered. Have you ever done anything bold because of your faith? Ruth this morning is going to do something just as bold and important because of her faith as Queen Elizabeth did, right? Just as important in history as what Queen Elizabeth did. Because of her faith, Ruth does something amazing. So let's pray together uh, as, we, as we start our time. Father, would you lead us and guide us this morning in your word? Would we hear you? Would you inspire us? Would you change us? Would you convict us as well? In Jesus' name, amen. So we just read our passage uh, a moment ago, okay, and we'll just kind of take, take our time going, going through it slowly. But last week, right, we saw Naomi come up with a plan, and we kind of acknowledged this was not the safest plan. This might not even be, um, this was a plan that had the potential for a lot of problems for both Ruth and for Boaz. And, um, and we saw that, we said, we kind of hinted last week that God is going to do something amazing, even though this was sort of a, a harebrained scheme, even though this wasn't the best plan ever, God is still going to do something uh, great. And so, um, this is, I think, week four, maybe, uh, of Ruth, five. I'm losing track because it's so exciting. But um, remember, we've got these two widows. They're, in Isra- uh, they're back in Israel. They had been traveling from Moab. Um, they decided their best hopes for survival were to go back to Israel and find a, a, a relative who might redeem them, who might help them out. And they, f- they found this, this godly man over the last few weeks named Boaz. And he's a relative, and he has shown them great kindness. Uh, the mother-in-law, her name is Naomi, and, and the daughter-in-law is named Ruth. She's a woman from Moab, so she would be a foreigner. Most people say she's about 25 years old because they, they probably got married about 15. There was this 10-year time, widowed. Maybe she's in her mid-20s. Let's, we'll just say that. Um, and... Um, she's been she's been helping out in Boaz's field, and and things have seemed to be going well. And Naomi, right, she gets impatient, and she says, "Look, we're running out of time. The harvest is almost over. Like you're not going to get to be around him like this anymore. We better act. Let's do something." Risky. Ruth says, "I will obey. I'll do everything that you said." And so here we are this morning, right? As we read Ruth, she gets all dressed up. She goes down to the threshing floor, which we know is not the safest place for women to be. It wasn't a place you should be seen if you had a, a good reputation. She waits for Boaz to eat and drink and celebrate and go to bed. So our passage says that she, she now finds him and she sneaks in quietly. Right? This is all the makings of the worst story ever. She uncovers his feet, and she, uh, and she decides to lie down, right? And that's where, we, that's where we are. The reader is on the edge of their seat. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And for whatever reason, Booth Boaz is 
awakened. Maybe his feet are cold. (laughs) Maybe he's just like some of us, he snores and and he wakes up. This is not the most romantic scene ever, by the way, in case, you know, they probably won't make a movie of this, right? This older guy, he's, you know, falling asleep. He's laying in a, you know, a a pile of, of grain, right? Oh, who's there? What, what's going on? I hope none of you have ever experienced this, right? He wakes to find a stranger in his bed. Not an everyday occurrence. And he asks the basic question, who are you? Right? Maybe it's the middle of the night. Maybe she's totally uh, covered head to toe, right, as in Middle Eastern dress. He couldn't recognize her to begin with. We don't know. And remember last week, Ruth gets a piece of advice, right? She says, go, and then he'll tell you what to do, right? That was, that was what Naomi told Ruth. Hey, just get there, do that, and then when he wakes up, he'll tell you what to do. And she's going to break, she's going to go beyond, right? We, we said that last week. She's going to go beyond the advice of Naomi, and she begins to speak. And she's going to be as bold in this situation as as. Um, as anybody could be. So Ruth, a foreign young woman, right, who's been a worker in his fields, she's going to go way beyond her place in society. She's going to tell Boaz what he needs to do. This is, this is wild, okay? This is wild stuff. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. It's a beautiful, right, we could take this to be this really romantic thing. Um, The language here, if you like languages, is in the imperative voice, which means she says it as a command. It's not a a polite request, right? It's in the imperative. It says, redeem. Hey, buddy, spread your wings and redeem. This is brave. This is bold. So one of the things... Uh, that, that a man would do in that time, in that culture, would be uh, to cover a woman with the corner of their robe. This is the equivalent of an engagement ring, right? If you've been covered with the corner of their robe, uh, you, you were theirs, okay? That was possession. So Ruth is essentially proposing to Boaz in this moment. She says, look, give me a ring, right? Give me a ring. It's time. This, this was just not done, okay? This was, this was out of the ordinary. This is not normal to this context. And, and Boaz could have easily been put off by her boldness. Who in the world do you think you are? You are gleaning in my fields, right? You're a nobody. How dare you talk to me like this? Right? He could have been enraged. He's, he, you're going to show up in my bed in the middle of the night. You could ruin my life. You could ruin my reputation. How dare you come into this place like this? How's he going to respond? He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Imagine this moment. He has not taken her actions to be of a poor motive. and He's not going to respond as if this was in some sort of illicit moment, Okay. 
He is beyond kind. And he basically says, look, I'm flattered by what you're doing here. I'm flattered by your actions. There is not rebuke in him at all. No rebuke. And he's also not going to take advantage of a situation that he easily could have. He had all the power in this moment, right? This young woman coming asking, hey, marry me, right? He could have taken advantage of that situation, and he did not. He says this interesting thing. He says, your kindness is greater than the first. What was the first? What was the first kindness? It was all that she had done to love and to support Naomi, right? That was the kindness he's talking about. And he now in this moment recognizes that she has done something for her here too, okay? And, and, he, and he acknowledges that by his response. He says, look, you could have gone after anybody, right? You could have found a rich young man. You could have found anybody. He said, you, you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich, See, he, he, the wheels are starting to turn. He's, he's coming awake, right? He's a little slow to this moment, and now he's awake. And he says, oh, I see what you're doing. You're doing this for Naomi's sake, not your own. Right? Remember we talked way back when she says, look, you're, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'll go with you. I'll die with you. I'll be buried in the same place with you. Right? I'm, I'm leaving everything behind to be with you. This, this is an action that's a part of that. For her to marry Boaz, you know, he probably is not Richard Gere, right? He's probably not a silver-haired fox, right? We don't know how old he is. He's, pro- he's 50s, 60s. He, he's probably not a real catch in terms of appearance for her. He's, pr- he's probably not the person that she would have gone, yes, I really want to spend my life with them. But she realizes that for her family to have a future, for Naomi to have a future, this is the way. And so this is an act of obedience as much as anything else. And he recognizes that. He says, you are committing to marry to me because of your love for family. You are doing a greater kindness for Naomi than even before. Notice how Boaz is focused on her and how she is feeling. He never says, well, I'm to whatever, or I don't, what? He doesn't say anything about himself. He's only focused on her. This is probably the scariest moment of her life, and he knows it. He says, don't fear. He lovingly says, now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. He says, look, no matter what, one way or the other, you're going to be redeemed. I'm going to take care of this one way or the other. He says, you are a worthy woman. Most people in the society would not have said, you know what, Ruth is a worthy woman. But he's going to go beyond all of that. He's going to go and see something different and say something different. And, and so he explains right in our passage that, that technically there's, there's a man who, who is closer kin who would have first claim to redeem, right? You've got a nearer relative. We, we've got to check that out first. But he says, look, in the morning, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to take care of this. 
And if he redeems you, great, you're going to be redeemed. All right, I will take, make sure that happens. But if he refuses, I will redeem you, he says. I will redeem you. And so then Boaz is going to show a little wisdom, a little savvy. And he knows that even though nothing bad has happened, she needs to get home with discretion. It is important, especially with the matter that's coming up in the morning, right, with this other redeemer, that nobody knows that, he spent the, that she spends the night with him, right? It's a little hard to go to this guy and go, hey, do you want to redeem this one that spent the night with me last night, right? Not going to work. He's got to make this a, a, a good experience. And so he sends her off in the morning in the dusk before anybody can recognize her. Get home quick. Which is odd to do that and then load her down with, some say, up to 80 pounds of grain, right? Hold out your cloak, and he just keeps dumping in, dumping in grain. Hey, okay, now hurry off home before anybody sees you. Maybe it's to make her look different, right? Maybe she's got all this giant, cl- maybe, maybe that was the help of the, of the skies. But you can just imagine Naomi, right, waiting through the night. What's happened, right? What's going on down there? Nervous. And Ruth is going to show up with all this grain. Some say 30 pounds, some say 80. Kind of depends. But it was a lot. It was more than you would have wanted to carry. And it's a sign to Naomi that things are going to be okay. Ruth comes in and tells her the whole thing and says, yes, this is all that happened. Naomi says, yep, this is good. This man is a man of his word. And some say that that phrase, right, the man will not rest but settle the matter today. Some translate that to mean he's hot to trot. Okay? He's given you all this grain. Yeah, oh boy, he's going to take care of this today. Right? That maybe that's what, what, what is happening here. Okay, so we're, we're on the edge of our seats as we end chapter 3, right? He says, look, it's going to happen. It's going to get taken care of today. We're, we're, we're dealing with some good news. We don't know what good news it's going to be. And so next week we get to see how the story turns out. But I just want to make a few observations. First, let's talk about Ruth. Boaz says, everyone knows that she's a worthy woman. What makes her worthy in people's eyes? You know, the the passage doesn't say anything about her physical appearance. If you Google image Boaz and Ruth, you see Richard Gere and some other model. Okay? Probably not. It's probably not accurate. We don't know if she was considered beautiful. We have no clue. But she was considered worthy by Boaz because of her heart. Because of how she had given her life to help somebody else. Because she was always devoted. She was loyal. She was a hard worker. She was the first there, the last to leave. Don't you want your friends and your family around you to be that way? Isn't that, isn't that who we look for in our, in our lives? Those who are always looking to help, those who are willing to be devoted, that are going to be trustworthy, loyal. No matter what situation we are in, no matter how much loss we're experiencing, we can be helpful, we can be humble, we can be loyal, we can be willing to take care of other people. 
There's another quality in her that I think needs mentioning. It's a quality that, that I and I think a lot of us can struggle with in our own life. And, and, and I've struggled exactly how to talk about it, but maybe we talk about the opposite of what it is. Okay, have you, have you ever decided to do nothing out of fear of making the wrong choice? You say, well, I'm not sure. I don't want to make a mistake. I'm not going to do anything. I'll just sit. Have you ever thought, I'm not doing anything unless I am completely certain of the outcome. I'm not going to start this task unless I know exactly how it's going to end up. See, God wants us to to be wise and to use our brains to make decisions, but but to to refuse to do anything because we can't see how steps 1 through 20 are going to play out, that's unfaithful. It's not living by faith. Okay, there's, there's a difference in there. To go, well, because I don't know, I'm not gonna. That's unfaithful. When, when we talk about Naomi and Ruth, a lot of scholars mention a, a, an idea that they call righteous risk. Righteous risk. What, what it means is that if you're, you're trying to make a decision and, 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 and the things that you are look at do, looking at doing are not sinful... And once you've prayed about it, once you've read Scripture, once you've talked to some other people, there's, there's freedom in that decision. To take a risk to go with it, there's some freedom there. See, I, sometimes you and I, I think, are, 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 are fear that our lives will be ruined if we make the wrong choice. What college am I supposed to go to? What if, what if, what if, what if I picked the wrong one? Most of the time, there's no way to know. Do we sit and do nothing? Do we let fear control us? See, Naomi and Ruth, they, they didn't know how the whole situation was going to play out. They, yet they decided they should proceed with a direction. They said, well, it looks like something could possibly happen here. This is where we, we think we want to be. This is where we need to get to. Let's go. Righteous risk. It was an act of faith for them to do what they did. Trying to do the right thing, trusting that a good and sovereign God will direct the outcome, that's an act of faith. Okay, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm going to use all the tools that I have, right? I'm going to pray and look at Scripture, and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to try to do the right thing, and then I'm going to step. That's an act of faith, right? God doesn't give us the end all the time. But he, he asks us to go. He asks us to move. Righteous risk. And then looking at Boaz, right? What do you see from him? He, he's, he's a man who's looking out for others. He could have taken advantage of a situation. He could have only worried about himself. Instead, he went out of his way to comfort and take care of Ruth. Does Boaz remind you of anyone? A man from Bethlehem who was kind to outsiders, who noticed the unloved, who talked to foreigners, foreign women even, when his friends couldn't understand why. Why were you even talking to her? I I love it in our story when, when Boaz tells Ruth to lay down and sleep. 
that he will take care of everything. Go ahead and lay down and sleep. I'll take care of this. I I can't help but think about our Savior and how he redeems our lives. You stay and rest. You rest. I'll take care of it. You can't redeem yourself. I will take care of it for you. You see, Boaz is the forerunner of Jesus. Jesus, we could say, is the new and better Boaz. But Boaz, Boaz gives us a hint, a sneak peek, if you will. Right? And if, if you know the story already, you can say, look, there's definitely a family resemblance here. There's a family resemblance. But you're going to have to stay tuned to hear the end, to see how it all plays out in the next two weeks, what that looks like. God wants his people to move in obedience and faith with righteous risk, not hiding in fear, not frozen in indecision. Ruth's boldness toward her goal leaves me with this question. What are you going for? What is, what is your goal? Today in your life, what are you going for? Not what did you go for 20 years ago or 30 years ago. What are you going for today? Which, what goal? What change? We all have to have that going forward. I don't know your ages. I don't know where you are. What are you going for? Don't be content. I say, well, I'm pretty good right here. I'm going to stay put. I'm not doing anything different. I'm not talking to anybody. Not helping anybody out. I'm staying put. Don't be there. Don't sit idle when God would have you move toward something. Maybe there's a righteous risk you're supposed to be taking in your family, in your career, in relationships, in your church. Have you taken any righteous risks for your faith or for your church in a while? Maybe it's talking to someone about having them disciple you. Say, hey, could you help me? That's a righteous risk. You don't know the outcome. Maybe asking someone, hey, can I, can I help you? Maybe I should, can I start discipling you? Let's meet sometimes. Let me, I've been in your place before. How can I help? That's a righteous risk. Maybe you're supposed to invite a friend to church, but you're afraid of the outcome. I don't know what they'll think of me if I ask them to church. That might be weird. That's a righteous risk. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that God wants you to improve. And you need to be the one that initiates that. Hey, we haven't talked in a while. How are you doing? Hey, I know things haven't been great between us for a while. Can we work on that? That's righteous risk. Get that going. Try. Do not fear, for God has redeemed your life. He will work things to the good of those who love him. Let's pray. Father, too often we sit, we sit in fear. We let that voice hold us back, that little voice. not your voice. 
just as Boaz told Ruth, you tell us in Isaiah over and over, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you my name, you are mine. And if that's true, God, would you help us to live like it? To live our lives seeking after you, bringing about your kingdom. Righteous risk by righteous risk, little step after little step, not knowing the outcome, but knowing in the end you have redeemed it so we don't have to be afraid. God, help us. Thank you, Father. God, we look at the world around us and we see chaos, disorder. We see anger. Father, we pray that Jesus would be known. You know, that there's peace only through Christ. Father, we think of those who aren't here. We think of those who are hurting who are sick, who can't be with us. God, would you bring them peace and comfort that only comes from you? Father, would you bring healing to our nation? God, help us to be a part of that as as we see the needs. We love you, we thank you, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.